I'm very excited about eating turkey on Thanksgiving. Mm. Just real quick, I, I, I've done this every year at Thanksgiving time, and I'm going to do it again this year. Uh, I'm going to ask just a few questions just to get a kind of a poll of the room to see what your tr traditions are. How many of you, uh, first of all, how many turkey fans? Would you raise your hand? You're a turkey fan. You like turkey. Yeah. How many, that's not your thing. You, you wish you had something different. Uh, maybe yours is enchiladas on Thanksgiving or ha maybe ham. That would make me a little more. <clears throat> so real quickly, I want to find out what this week's going to hold for you. Um, when do you typically eat your Thanksgiving meal? Everybody that eats before 1 o'clock, would you raise your hand? Typically you eat before 1. You're the early crew. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. All right. Good. You can put your hand down. Anybody do breakfast, like a big breakfast on Thanksgiving morning? Good. I'm coming to Corey's house on Thanksgiving morning. How many of you sometime between 1 and, say, 3 o'clock? Would you raise your hand? That's Okay, good. So that's maybe the majority of people here. After three o'clock. You're the late crew, the night shift. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And we're, we're recording this, so I know different houses that I can stop by. Here's a good question. Deep fried turkey or traditional? Deep fried, hand raised, deep fried, the true southerners that are here. Uh, traditional. Okay. Some of you are like, it's got to be tradition. If it was good for the Apostle Paul, it's good for me. This is one, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Uh, cornbread dressing or just traditional bread dressing? How many corn, cornbread? Well, don't shout me off the platform, my goodness. <laughs> How many just regular bread uh, dressing? Okay, good. White meat or dark meat? White, dark, both, pumpkin pie or sweet potato pie? <laughs> pumpkin pie, raise your hand. Sweet potato pie, raise your hand. The whole dessert table, raise your hand. Now this is one, this is one that is, is dear to my heart. Uh, to nap or not to nap on Thanksgiving? How many, we'll start with the, the, the ones that just gritted out all day long. You don't nap, you just full bore, no nap on Thanksgiving. How many of you truly save folks? You take a nap on Thanksgiving? There you go, there you go. Okay. <laughs> and then this is just a little bonus question. Um, early morning Black Friday shopping. How many of you get up early on Black Friday and you go shopping? Okay, good. Those of you that just raised your hand, we will have prayer time up here in the front at the close of the service for you. Ministry of laying on of hands will be available for you. <laughs> Keep your Bible close because we're going to look at several verses of Scripture today on this, this great Sunday before Thanksgiving. I like being around thankful people. In fact, I prefer being around thankful people. There was a study that was made at the University of Manchester in England, and it was a study and a survey of over 400 people, and it found a very strong link between gratitude and a good night's sleep. With grateful people enjoying better sleep quality, less tiredness during the day, 
and the ability to fall asleep faster and more normalized sleep. So, the study would suggest that if you are full of gratitude, if you are a thankful person, you will sleep better. So, I'm kind of caught in the middle here because I want you to be extremely thankful right now. But I do not want you to sleep while I preach. (laughs) But maybe you can post-date the sleeping part till a little bit later today. Look at someone near you right now and say, be thankful, it'll help you get rest. Thanksgiving is God's will for my life. Now you may say, well, that's, that's just your opinion, Pastor. No, that's actually not my opinion. That's the word of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, the apostle Paul writes and says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything. Everybody say, in everything. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Thanksgiving is always the will of God. Thanksgiving is always the plan of God. Thanksgiving is always the recipe of God. It's always in order to give thanks. Now, it's easy to give thanks when we're shouting on the hills of glory, but it's another thing to give thanks when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But here's what the writer says, in everything, look at somebody near you right now and say, that means everything. In everything, give thanks. I never will forget when I was a senior in high school, I had a 1988 Ford Escort. Whoo, boy, you talk about a souped up car. Four cylinder, zero to 60 in about 15 minutes. And I, I drove through a bank parking lot or a bank drive-through with my Ford Escort to deposit my check that I had made for working that week. And my Ford Escort completely, when I say completely, I'm talking about absolutely broke down in the bank drive-through on Friday afternoon. Now, some of you may say, well, that's what you get for buying a Ford. That's another point. We can talk about that later on. But it got so bad, I tried to crank it, it wouldn't crank. It wouldn't turn over, it wouldn't spit, it wouldn't cough, it would absolutely not work. And so I had to go, I had to make the walk of shame up to the little button and press the button and say, I'm so sorry. First of all, would you deposit my check? And second of all, would you come help me? I need, I need you to call someone. This was way before cell phones, so I needed someone in the bank to call my family. And get. So meanwhile, the bank manager decides to take matters into their own hand, and they brought out orange cones. And they ringed my car with orange cones. So now, when other people drove up on Friday afternoon to deposit their checks, they they got a show. They saw the guy, the the, the teenager, with the broken-down Ford Escort. And I remember sitting in my car thinking, this is absolutely awful. I am so embarrassed. Oh, my goodness. And I remember... Uh, the Lord kind of nudging me and prompting me, and he said this to me, and I don't know how God speaks to you. Most of the time, for me, it's far less dramatic than you might think. But he said to me, why don't you just not complain, and why don't you just thank me for the good things you have in your life right now? Lord, I'm in, I'm in the bank drive through I'm in a broken-down car. This is not really the appropriate time to enter into Thanksgiving. 
He said, I'm not asking you if it's the appropriate time. Would you just begin to thank me? And I, and I thought, I'm going I'm to try it. I'm going to try it. So I, I, I just sat there and I started thanking the Lord. Lord, thank you for the health that I have. Thank you for the family that I have. Thank you uh, that I, I have a good school to go to. Thank you for my parents. Thank you for my, most of the time for my brother and my sister. And thank you, Lord, for food to eat. And thank you for a, a house to live in. And thank you for this car because it's really helped me up to this point. Lord, thank you. And I just begin to thank God. And, and it's amazing. Here, I just want, I want to tell somebody right now. It's amazing. And some of you know this to be true. What happens when we adopt a spirit of thanksgiving? And it becomes more than something that we just feel like we have to do, but we want to praise him and we want to thank him and we want to be full of gratitude. I think that the word of God instructs us in this because the Bible says in the last days, thankfulness will be less and less obvious. The apostle told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money and boasters and proud and blasphemers and disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. In an unthankful world, we as Christians are called to be different. We are called to stand out. We are called to be a thankful people, to have an overabundance of thanksgiving. The psalmist said it in Psalm 95 and 2, we come before his presence with thanksgiving. The psalmist said in 69 and 30, I will magnify him with thanksgiving. We can't make God bigger, but he seems bigger to us when we are thankful, when we have a spirit and an attitude of gratitude. First Peter chapter two and verse nine, you, Peter says, are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, his own special people, that you should proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I've been serving the Lord a long time now, but I still, Brother Odell, have not got over being saved. Is there anybody at New Life on Sunday morning that it's still real, it's real, I know that it's real. It's Pentecostal blessing, and I know, I know it's real. I'm thankful to be saved today. I'm thankful to have enough health to stand up in front of you today. Is it anybody's testimony in this house that he lifted us? We thank him for that. Is it anybody's testimony that he saved us from a life of sin and despair? I thank him for that. Is it anybody's testimony that he healed my body and set me free from sickness? Come on, I thank him for that. Some of you are waiting for the sermon to get good. It got good about five minutes ago. Is there anybody here delivered from destruction by the power of God? Anybody have your mind delivered by the blood of Jesus? I'm thankful. I said I'm thankful today. I used to think one way, 
but I think differently now. Praise God. I am thankful that he called us to a higher purpose than merely existing. That's good preaching right there. He called me to something greater than just barely making it. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special people. Now, I want you to see something in your Bible. Turn to Psalm 107, please. I want you to see this in Scripture. Psalm 107. I love Psalm 107 because there is a certain verse embedded in this psalm that is on rerun five times. And if you will allow me to use my imaginations, it's almost as though the psalmist says everything he wants to say, and then he has to stop and just give God praise. And then he thinks of something else, and he says a few more things. And then he stops and says, that thing I said back there, that was good. I need to say that again. Now, here's the thing. Uh, us preachers, we're an interesting group of people. There have been times, there have been many, many times, every preacher in this room is going to concur with this. There have been many times we preach and we get done and I'll come off the platform or I'll go to my office or I'll go sit on the, on the chair and I think to myself, ooh, I wish I would have said that. Every preacher, just real quick, I'm going to close my eyes so you don't just embarrass yourself. But up and then down. If you've ever had that happen, just up and then down. Oh, I wish I would have said that. Well, there's two honest preachers in the house. But in this psalm, the psalmist is giving God praise and recounting how good God has been. He redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. He delivered us from our distresses. He led us forth by the right way. Ooh, is there anybody who has a witness in your spirit on that? He satisfies the longing soul. He fills the hungry soul with goodness. He brought them out of the shadow of darkness. He broke their chains in pieces. He sent his word and healed them. And systematically through this 107th Psalm, the psalmist stops and declares it like this. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Now, there is something embedded in Scripture that when you see it, you'll never not see it again. If you look at a passage of Scripture and something is referenced more than once, it is the writer's way of vocalizing it at a higher volume. Now, Obviously, we cannot read Scripture and see the volume with which people declare things. And so the writer many times will repeat things. For instance, Jesus would say, Verily, 
Verily, I say unto you. It is added, the second verily is added to communicate the greater importance on what is going to be said right here. Verily, verily, I say unto you. It is as though the psalmist is putting pen to paper and in his psalmist ways, he is saying, I want men everywhere. I want women everywhere. I want people of God everywhere to remember the goodness of God and give thanks to God simply for his goodness. Now let me ask a question. How many of you, this is not a trick question, but raise your hand quickly. If God, you would testify, God has been good to you. Well, there's a command in scripture today. Oh, it's a plea that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, his favor, his wonderful works to the children of men. And then there is a perplexing verse on this subject of thanksgiving. And it is a word that is used that is difficult sometimes for me to understand in my modern understanding. It's in Psalm 107 and verse 22 where the psalmist says, Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. We live in the United States, and what might be deemed sacrifice to us is not altogether what would be deemed sacrifice to people that lived in the Bible time. Because with the exception of John the Beloved, every close follower of Jesus was martyred. And as far as I know, so far, I have not been martyred. Unless someone martyred me and I forgot to take note of it. So again, what is sacrifice to me may not be sacrifice to somebody else. We think sacrifice in our modern Western culture as, as maybe given a big offering. Ooh, that's going to hurt the bank account. That's sacrifice. But you know, this, this idea of sacrifice is actually all throughout Scripture. And it, it's attached to different things in Scripture. It's first of all mentioned when we talk about our bodies. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Paul says, I want your bodies to be a living sacrifice. I want you to be holy. I want your body, that, I, want, I want that to be something that sacrifice is attached to. Praise has sacrifice attached to it. Hebrews 13 and verse number 15. By him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I want you to notice, when the Hebrew writer writes this, he identifies what a lack of sacrifice is. He said, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, here's it is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. So if I do not sacrifice my praise, I keep my mouth shut. Did, did all of you catch that right there? Now, how many of you have lived long enough to know sometimes praise with our mouth is not what we want to do? 
there's an old song we used to sing when I was a kid. And usually we had Sunday night service and we'd sing it a lot on Sunday nights. My mom and dad will remember this. I feel like praising, praising him. Da, 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 da. I feel like praising, praising. How many of you heard that song before? Praise him in the morning. Oh, praise him all day long. Oh, I feel like praising, praising him. Well, you know, I've been serving the Lord a long time. There's been a few nights I've walked into church, and a few days I've walked into church, and if I really sang what I wanted to sing, I don't feel like praising, praising him. Oh, I don't feel like praising. Now, you can sit there and act like this never happens to you. But how many of you know sometimes the sacrifice attached to our praise is simply opening our mouth, whether we feel like it or not, and giving him praise. So I wish we would just defeat the devil for about 10 seconds right now, and whether you feel like it or not, open your mouth and give him praise. Offer the sacrifice of praise. Come on, that's it. I praise you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I may not feel like it, but I'm going to use my lips to give praise to your name. To your name, God. You're worthy. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, I feel better now. You may be seated. Sacrifice is also attached to prayer. Psalm 141 and 1. Lord, I cry to you. Make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Watch this. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. I think I know human nature enough to know sometimes it's not convenient to set aside time for prayer. Sometimes it's not what our flesh wants to do to take time to talk to the Lord. But there is something about sacrificing prayer and giving God our time, giving God our hands, giving God our communication. We sacrifice prayer. Certainly and without question, sacrifice is attached to possessions in Scripture. That's why the proverb writer said in Proverbs 3 and 9, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. We sacrifice possessions. We could amass, but we choose to give. It's sacrifice attached to our possessions. So it just seems fitting that we would sacrifice our thanksgiving as well. Psalm 116 and verse 17 says it like this, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I will call upon the name of the Lord. Now, I've, I've said this, and I don't mean this to be funny. It's actually the truth. I, I don't feel like I'm the most intelligent person in this room. There's people far more intelligent than me. But it dawned on me. In sacrifices, something has to die. Is that not right? You and I look at sacrifices in the Old Testament, something had to be put on that altar. 
So whenever sacrifice is around, something has to die. Sacrifice my body, my selfish desires have to die. Sacrifice my praise, my apathy and my self-centeredness has to die. Sacrifice my prayer, my time is not my own. It's centered rather on cultivating a relationship with God. Sacrifice my possessions, my money is not my own. My house is not my own. My vehicle is not my own. They're used to propagate the gospel and grow the kingdom of God. Something has to die. So when I bring the sacrifice of thanksgiving this morning, what is it that dies? If something has to die for sacrifice to be, what is it that dies? And it hit me. And it just went, aha, in my spirit. When I offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving, what dies is my decision to not give thanks. My decision to not give thanks. So it's only sacrifice when something dies. Here's the truth about Thanksgiving. You and I can come to the fourth Thursday in November and go through the day and not be a thankful person. Because Thanksgiving is not just a holiday. It's a spirit and an attitude. I'll finish with this. One of the greatest characters I find in Scripture in the Old Testament is a man by the name of Jonah. I've heard about Jonah my whole life. I was taught him in Sunday school. Taught about him in Sunday school. The book of Jonah is in that part of the Old Testament where you turn in your Bible and the pages stick together sometimes because we don't read out of that passage a lot. You know, it's over there with some of the other minor prophets, Obadiah and Nahum and Zephaniah and Zechariah, Habakkuk. Some of you right now are going, is that in the Bible? (laughs) Jonah had the Lord give him a command. It's found in the very first verse of that book, Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1. And the Lord said, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to cry out against that city because they're evil and I'm calling them to repentance. Jonah, instead of embracing the command of God, ran from the command of God to go to Nineveh. And verse 3 of chapter 1 of Jonah says, he went down to Joppa. Now watch what the scripture says. And fled to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Really? So you get in a boat, Karen, and you try to flee from the presence of God? Ooh, I just felt a little nudge right there. Do you know the reason why a person who used to serve the Lord and does not serve the Lord... Do you know why they stay many times just so frustrated? Because you cannot flee from the presence of God. He is the hound of heaven. He will get up in our business and stay in our business and stir us up. And just when we think we found something to satisfy, the rug comes out. And we realize that didn't satisfy near as good as I thought it was going to. He is the hound. Somebody needs to hear this right now. There's a reason you stay stirred up apart from God. Because that is the mercy of God reaching for us. That is the presence of God reaching for us. That is this 
eternal spirit of God that's driving and calling and wooing. He's never going to come and just bowl us over and say, whether you want it or not, you're going to serve me. He always comes and he invites us. Jonah thought, I can get in a boat and I can flee from the presence of the Lord. How ridiculous is that? And so here's what happened. And, and, and maybe this has happened a time or two in our lives in a figurative sense. The Lord sent a great wind on the sea. A mighty tempest on the sea. So that the ship was about to be broken up. How many of you know God will do great things to get somebody's attention? The sea is rolling. The wind is blowing. The tempest is there in a magnificent way. And all of the sailors, the Bible calls them mariners, all of the mariners on the boat are rowing and trying their very best to get out of this storm and looking at everything they can look at to navigate their way out of the storm. Meanwhile, the one trying to flee from the presence of God is down in the bottom of the ship, fast asleep, the Bible says. Heavy sleeper. Fast asleep. They come down and they say, Hey, buddy, what are you doing? Call on your God. We're calling on our God. Call on your God. Maybe he'll hear you. And Jonah said, I don't, I don't have to call on my God. I know why this is happening. Can you see him wiping the sleep out of his eyes? I know exactly why this is happening. This is happening because I was trying to flee from the presence of the Lord. He gave me a command and I disobeyed that command. That's why we're in this problem. I mean, can you see the other mariners when they're looking at him wanting to know what is, what, why is this happening? And he's saying, look right here. You're looking at the problem. So what do we do? And then it really gets fun. Tell you what, if you'll throw me overboard, everything will be all right. Uh, you know what that sounded like to them? If you'll kill me, everything will be all right. If you'll commit murder, everything will be all right. How absurd does that sound? So the Bible says instead of throwing him overboard, they decide to row harder, take it into their hands. Ah, they're just getting after it, and it's just getting worse. Finally, they cry out to their God, don't lay this against our charge. Take Jonah. Whew. He splashes in the water. Now, you talk about a YouTube moment right here. He splashes down through that water. And before long, and here's the way I think, I'm sorry. I just wonder which one it was that said, oh, that's more like it. <laughs> he must have been the problem. <laughs> Now, I have preached this entire sermon to get to this point right here. I want to introduce you to probably one of, if not the most absurd verses in all of the Bible. Now, when I say absurd, I'm not, I'm not denigrating the Bible. I'm just asking all of us in Cabot on Sunday morning to read this next verse and think how absurd this sounds. 
ready? Do you have your Bible there? Have you found Jonah? Some of you have been looking for it since I talked about it just a few minutes ago. The book of Jonah. Chapter 1 and verse 17. You get the picture? Jonah has been thrown overboard. The tempest calms. And then here it is. Verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And as if that's not enough, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish. Sorry. I've been taught this my whole life and it still just marvels me. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That has to be one of the most absurd verses I've ever read in all the Bible. God prepared a fish to swallow a man. I mean, when all the fish are lined up in school, what are you going to do after you graduate? I'm going to swim over to that side of the world. I'm going to be in some guy's aquarium. I'm swallowing a prophet. (laughs) Here's the thing. I'm being funny. We laugh, but the Bible says that God prepared the fish for the purpose of swallowing the prophet. Now, when I was in Sunday school, we used to have pictures, and it wasn't video or anything like that. It was flannel graph pictures, and the teacher would put on the wall the picture of Jonah in the belly of the, of the fish. And, it was, you know, and we try. We try real hard to make that palatable for our culture. So, like, I, I literally, now some of you may, may concur, literally, in, on the picture on the board in Sunday school when I was a kid, Jonah is sitting on the bottom of the fish, in his belly, and there's like seaweed hanging from a rib up here, and there's a little lamp over here. I see some people shaking their head. Have you seen these pictures? You know what that is? That is us trying to make nice a horrific story. He didn't have a lamp and a table and a Tempur-Pedic. He didn't have any of that stuff. He was in the belly with all the grossness and all the filth, and he was smashed up in there for three days and three nights. He didn't have a watch. He didn't have a clock. He didn't have Twitter. He didn't have Instagram. He, He didn't have anything. He's just a disobedient prophet who said, I'm going to try to flee from the presence of the Lord. And the Lord said, okay, try that, and I'll show you what will happen. I have a way of getting your attention, Jonah. And if i got to put you in the belly of a fish, I'll put you in the belly of the fish. Now, here's the thing. If that's me, if that's us, if that's us normally, we're praying to die right there. I'm not having a, oh, I think I'll just praise him right now moment. I'm praying for rapture or quick death, one of the two. 
God, get this over with. It's bad enough they threw me overboard on my command. Now I've been swallowed by, let the acids eat away at my skin and let this be a painless death right now. But that is not what Jonah did. The Bible says, I'm going to prove it to you because I want to show it to you in the scripture. Jonah chapter 2. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. Verse 3, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet... You have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your temple. Look at verse 9. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah proves to us there is no pit that is too deep to keep us from thanking God. There is no problem that is too great that can keep me from thanking God. I can thank him from anywhere. I can let thanksgiving be my life. So what did the Lord do? And I, I, I just want to say this and I'm done. I'm done. We're going to go leave in just a minute. Listen, what caused that, that fish to spit him up on the dry ground? What caused that, that fish to get indigestion and just there he is on the, on, the, on the ground? It wasn't his need. It was his thanksgiving. How easy is it for us to come to the Lord today, just a few weeks before the end of a year, and say, Lord, surely there can be a change in my life. You, don't, you see how much I need you. When the Lord is saying, no, it's not just the need that moves me. It's your willingness to sacrifice your thanksgiving and give me thanks. Decide you're not going to not thank me. You're going to thank me right now. You're going to learn to thank me by faith. Jonah thanked God, and he was delivered. I want you to stand with me, if you would, please. It's as if God was looking for a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Praise God. I want to ask you to do something, and I know we have people here who are new to our church, and if you're not used to how we typically end services, I, I want to just calm your fears. No one's going to force anything on you. No one's going to make you do anything, make you uncomfortable. But I want to ask us all, everybody, guest and member alike, to come and just join around the front of this church for prayer before we leave the house today. Can we do that? we got one more time right now to pray together before Thanksgiving 2021. So can I ask us just to come and gather around the front? Come from the risers, come from all over.
And I'm going to ask this too, and I know our, our staff is doing such a great job, all of our media staff. I'm going to ask you guys if you would, and Sister Jayla in the broadcast room, I know she can hear me. I'm going to ask all everybody serving, would you just come and join us? You can leave the settings just like they are. You can leave that camera just like it is. I want everyone to come from everywhere because we're going to come and we're going to have an opportunity to thank God together. We're going to bring, with God's help, the sacrifice of thanksgiving today. This prayer time, and I was talking to the Lord about this, and this prayer time actually ties in with what I preached last Sunday morning here about can we praise him for what's left? Can we praise him for the kids that are saved? Can we praise him for the money that is in the bank? Can we praise him for the part of our body that doesn't hurt? Can we praise him? So the challenge today is what about this Thanksgiving thing? Is it relegated to just a a certain segment of the year or is it something that I choose today and every week, every day to offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And so I want to give us an opportunity to do that again. Would, would you just, however you want to, some are going to probably want to lift your hand, some are going to want to just bow your head, but can we use our voice together right now and just offer to God the sacrifice of thanksgiving? Praise God. Praise God. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Ah. Mm. Praise the Lord. That's good. That's good. Go ahead and let your voice out right now. Praise God. Yes. I thank you, Jesus. I offer praise to you, Lord. Doesn't that feel good? Go ahead and just keep that up right now. Go ahead and keep up that praise right now. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you for health enough to be upright right now, Lord. Thank you for the practical blessings of life that you've given me. Thank you for the privilege to be in church today, Lord. Thank you for a building to praise you in today, God. Thank you for a call upon my life today, Lord. Thank you for friends, Lord. Thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. There's a great spirit of faith in this house because we're offering the sacrifice of thanksgiving. We're choosing to not not thank him, but to thank him. I thank you for all you've done. And all that you will do, you're faithful. Lord, I thank you. Oh, I, I thank you, Jesus. All you've done. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you. 
Oh, let's sing it again, everybody that will. Would you lift your voice and think and say, I'm thankful. Oh, oh, for all you've done and all that you will do. Hallelujah. Lord, I One more time. Come on, lift your voice and sing. I'm thankful. I thank you, Lord. I Oh, yes, I praise you, Lord. Oh, yes, for all you've done. Ha, it's the fruit of our lips giving praise to your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, I praise you. I thank you. Sister Harden, you blessed me this morning. You blessed me with your praise this morning. Lost her husband just a few weeks ago. 60 plus years of marriage. Guess where she is on the Sunday before Thanksgiving? The fruit of her lips giving praise to the name of the Lord. What a blessing. What a blessing. I hope and I pray that this week is a super, super week for you and your family. We don't have any uh, scheduled activities besides uh, Celebrate Recovery. We do have Celebrate Recovery on Thursday night, Thanksgiving night. We thank God for that ministry. But no other scheduled activities throughout the week this week. Uh, we'll join back together in a service next Sunday morning. Uh, our tracks at 9.30, and those tracks have, have just been marvelous. We appreciate all of our teaching team. And then, of course, our 10.30 service for the Shelton will be here with his family. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Have a great week. You're dismissed in the name of Jesus. Thank you for being in church today. Love you.